Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Thank you again for joining me here at the back of the range. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 50. 50 episodes. Wow, this year has absolutely flown by. It has been so much fun to share all of these stories and interviews with you. We are going to release two more episodes this year to make it an even 52 episodes for 2018. Then we're going to take a week off, enjoy some family time, relax a little bit. And then the first episode of season two here at the back of the range, we'll release it on our first anniversary. Yes, January 3rd for all of you that are not keeping score at home. That was our first episode. Well, the first one of season two, same date, January 3rd. So stay tuned for that. For those of you that follow us on social media, you probably know that we recently ran out of our custom logoed golf towels. We gave those away on Free Towel Tuesdays. Well, I can tell you that we are back up and running. We have some in stock. We're going to start giving those away again next year. If you want one right now and you're thinking stocking stuffer just like I am, well, I've decided to sell them to anyone interested in supporting the podcast and what we're trying to do around here. 25 bucks gets you two of them. Got to buy two so you can keep one for yourself and then give the other one away. And just in case you're curious, all the proceeds go to us ordering more towels so we can get them into the hands of as many people as possible so they can learn about this podcast. So the link to purchase these towels, they're in the show notes of the podcast. They're also at thebackoftherange.com. Look for the merch tab at the top of the screen. We are on Instagram at the Back of the Range Podcast. We're going to ramp up the content there a little bit. We're not just going to give you clips of the upcoming episodes, but information on future guests, past guests, and some of the upcoming travels that we're going to take in 2019. If you haven't followed us there, please do. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. All of the links that you need are available in the show notes of the podcast. And remember, thebackoftherange.com, that's where you can find everything. Our guest this week is Scott Stallings. Before becoming a three-time winner on the PGA Tour, Scott was a two-time Ohio Valley Conference Player of the Year as a Golden Eagle at Tennessee Tech University. Scott picked up his first win in 2011 at the Greenbrier. His reaction to the winning birdie putt on the first extra hole is probably what sticks out in everyone's mind when they think of Scott. He backed up that win in 2012 at the True South. He won again in 2014 at the Farmers Insurance Open. Scott has battled health issues, but with the help of a new fitness program, he is in the best shape of his life as he enters his ninth season on the PGA Tour. We had a fun conversation about his beloved Red Sox, his early days on tour, his second home at Whisper Rock out in Arizona. Scott was candid. He shared some great stories, and that's what we really like around here at the back of the range. He is transparent, funny, and I think you'll enjoy this episode immensely. So, Scott... I thank you so much for your time. I know you're enjoying the offseason, so I really appreciate you joining us here at the back of the range. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. No, uh, absolutely. This is uh, this is great. I know you're in the offseason. You're not uh, you're not in Tennessee at your main location, so you're out in Arizona. What is the weather like out in Arizona right now while everyone else is freezing? What are you dealing with out there? I'm uh, dealing with a lot of sun and uh, some 
uh, just not a lot to complain about weather-wise. <laughs> nice. Well, we, uh, you know, we started kind of texting back and forth back uh, last month, and and uh, I'm glad we can kind of get together. But let's get some serious, hard-hitting topics out of the way. I don't want to, you know, sugarcoat anything. But uh, when we started talking, it was World Series time. You are a, a a rabid, massive Red Sox fan. Has has your job ever, or has your Red Sox fandom ever gotten the way of of your job? Maybe a little bit. My rookie year, um, I mean, I, my, I was born just outside of Boston, and all my mom's family is from New England, and so we spent a bunch of time up there as kids. And you know, so an opportunity to go to Red Sox game was, you know, any opportunity we could, we did. So. I remember my rookie year, they played a four-game series against the Yankees, and I convinced my wife we need to stay downtown. We didn't, didn't need to stay out by the golf course. And, you know, it's about a 45-minute drive easy uh, to get out there. And But I wanted to stay right by Fenway, go to all the games, and, you know, be able to take it all in. And, you know, I would say that. But also, uh, this year, uh, I was playing Anderson Farms, and they were getting ready to go uh, out to L.A. Yeah. And if they, and if they would have made it – to that you know the final game or whatever i would have um i was if i had missed the cut i was going to go to the games in la (laughs) i told my wife was like we're playing vegas the next week um you know very fortunate enough to become friends with some people in the red sox organization and i kind of sent some text out i was like hey if uh if I don't play well this week, uh, expect to get a call from me uh, Friday night. Nice. Because uh, I'm coming out. But uh, I, I played halfway decent. I made the cut. and uh, It was nice to be able to watch it. Uh, we had a house we rented, and we all kind of stayed together and uh, able to watch the game. And uh, it was nice to see them win, and especially this incredible season they all had, especially with a new manager and super young team. And, you know, excited to see uh, some Tennessee guys, you know, David Price, Mookie Betts, and, I've become a huge Steve Pierce fan. Um, well, who hasn't? I mean, that guy just yeah. fell into. I mean, that that's incredible. I think he's played. I think that's the. Yeah, he's played in every. He's played for every single team in the AL East. Yes. So everyone talks about. You know, he knows all the trade secrets. Oh, and so sure. On and yeah. So forth. But uh, um, obviously, you know, it's crazy with their lineup the way they kind of shift them in and out like that. You know, Brock Holt hit for the cycle and then didn't play another didn't start another game yeah that's <laughs> so they, they just got, it's just kind of just kind of wild to see how they move it in out there but i mean incredible team to watch and uh you know I'll be excited to see what they do moving forward yeah well i think they're they're set up pretty well and i'm i think that's uh so let me see alex cora is their is their manager correct yes first year yeah. and it was bizarre he didn't win manager of the year this is, uh, he was he, he was manager of the year in all the Red Sox fans' eyes. Oh well, he's got a trophy he can look at, so I think he's going to do okay. Yeah. And I'm and I'm sure the paychecks aren't going to stop coming in for the Red Sox organization. He's gonna he'll get taken care of. Um, man, this podcast is really turning into a baseball podcast because our guest this week. Uh, we're recording this the day after I released the episode with Brett Saberhagen, so we're really. Uh, transitioning into baseball around here which is which is totally fine so we'll, we'll talk hey, to, you never know what's gonna happen on the range man hey there you go there you go so um so speaking of your your start in golf we're gonna do a little bit about your start in golf before we just start completely going off the rails and asking random questions but you you grew up in tennessee you're a two-time you know ohio valley conference player of the year you went to tennessee tech you know, we have a lot of players, juniors, parents of juniors that listen to the podcast, and it's always fascinating to listen and determine or, or dis, you know discover the start 
of, of professionals, whether it's, hey, I, I grew up at a country club and I was just kind of groomed that way or grinding out of the mini tours. Um, what can you tell me about Tennessee Tech? You know, how did you get there? Um, you know, what was your college career like? And, you know, when did it become apparent that, hey, I was going to I was going to try and play professionally? Um, so, I mean, Tennessee Tech was kind of the last place in the world I ever thought I was going to go. Okay. Um, I, I had a, you know, some halfway decent offers for some bigger schools, but to be honest, I kind of had my hopes and dreams on going to the University of Tennessee and, uh, you know, truly when it kind of came down to it, uh, it was between me and a few other guys and I kind of told everyone else, no, that I felt pretty confident in my, that I was going to end up going there and ended up uh, not getting an offer and, you know, I kind of put all my eggs in one basket, unfortunately. And, you know, when it kind of came down to it, I was left high and dry. I originally committed to go to uh, university of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Okay. And like almost like the 11th hour phone call, a guy I knew that was on the Tennessee tech team just said, Hey man, before you make your final decision, he said, why don't you come down here and hang out with us for a day? And um, I went down there, met the guys and, but uh, ended up going down there, hanging out with the guys for, for a day or so and uh, playing golf and doing that. And I mean, truly some of my best friends in the world, we don't see each other as much as we probably like. We all families and moved on in different parts of our lives. But, you know, we try to catch up as much as we possibly can. And, uh, you know, truly is the the last place in the world I ever thought I was going to be. But I, after being there, I, I – Truly, I couldn't imagine them having a better experience. Man, great. I have a bunch of good dudes on my team and you know, guys that, you know, like I said, consider friends to this day. And um, we had an old school coach. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away uh, a few years ago, but uh, he played the tour and, uh, you know, was a club pro and, you know, definitely kind of had seen all sides of golf. And sure. he was a good old country boy. And, I mean, there's a bunch of life lessons that, uh, oh, yeah. you know, some probably need to be never shared and some should be shared every day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, our, our facilities weren't awesome. Uh, the course we played, the courses we played weren't great. Uh, but man, the guys on the team is what made it what the experience it was. And, uh, you know, definitely I tell a lot of people don't wish your time in college away. Cause I mean, I, I feel very blessed and fortunate to be able to play on tour and, uh, if I had an opportunity to go tee it up with my buddies a couple more times in college, I would definitely take them up on it. Let's go a little bit off the off the path here. So if you got to grab your buddies and go on a golf trip, I know that's probably, I, I don't know, is that the last thing you really want to do on a vacation? Do you want to grab buddies and go on a golf trip? Or have you basically seen everything golf-related that you can think of? Uh, we actually have a friend of ours that's getting ready to turn 40, and we're going up to uh, – we're actually – he turns 40 in two years, so we're already working on okay. his 40th uh, his fortieth birthday. We're going to go up and play all the, you know, the big five up – like Shinnecock, all up in, you know, the Hamptons and stuff like that. Um, I think we're doing Ham- uh, Shinnecock, Maidstone, National, uh, Friars Head, yep, yep. and Sabonic. So we're going to fly up on like Thursday, 36, 36, 18, fly home Sunday. And uh, that's kind of what he wants to do for his birthday. So it's pretty cool, you know, with the relationships you get on tour and being able to, obviously that's something that, you know, takes a lot of groundwork to be able to figure it all out. But we're definitely looking forward to, uh, we've definitely had a lot of people reach out and uh, I was fortunate to play in the open at Shinnecock this year and was able to meet a bunch of people up there and 
uh, just kind of told him, Hey, we'd love to try to figure it out. And it's like, Oh, when is it? It's like, Oh, it's two years. Oh, we got plenty of time. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming this isn't getting booked on Expedia.com, right? Yeah. This is uh, no, uh, no, yeah, this <laughs> no, kinda... it's not. Okay. All right. Cause if, if there's a button I'm not clicking on Expedia, I need to figure out what that button is so I can set up a trip like that. So, well, that's great that you're, that you're uh, doing a golf trip, but uh, what kind of strokes do you anticipate having to give your friends? I mean, how, how, what is it like when you play at your home club and you go teed up with some buddies. I mean, how out of say, how out of whack does that get? Uh, I don't know. It, it depends. I mean, when I'm in Tennessee, you know, I, I play a lot with them, and uh, you know, there's always some sort of game or something like that. Uh, in Arizona, it's a little bit different. I mean, the course that I belong at, Whisper Rock, there's a lot of really, really, really good players, and so the shots aren't really as free flowing oh, yeah. as they are maybe, maybe back east, but. Um, it all kind of depends. I got some some of my college buddies that uh, <laughs> they like to relive the glory days, I guess. But uh, there's some uh, – I enjoy getting out there with them. It kind of gives a, a, a fresh perspective on, you know, truly how blessed I am to be able to do what I do for a living and um, kind of reminds me of, you know, when I was back playing with them, like how, how much that I, I dreamed about waking up every single day and pursuing a career in golf. And, sure. Um yeah, that's something that uh, I I enjoy that time with them. It's not super serious. There's a lot of hard times being given, and uh, um, and just go ahead. I'm just I'm just laughing because I'm just thinking to myself. Your buddies from Tennessee playing with the tour star. I think they're just giving you a bunch of crap, that, and you just what do you, you just got to sit there and take it. You know, I mean, there's nothing you could do. Yeah, one of my we went on a golf trip uh, kind of right before the end of the season. I went with a couple friends of mine uh, to a place that I play in North Carolina, um, and we were up there. and My, my buddy, had, you know, just had his third kid, and you know, hadn't really been playing, and so on and so forth. And uh, he's he's all giddy to go, and you know, he ready to play sun up to sun down, and uh, we play eighteen holes, and and we get done, and uh, uh, he's like, all right, man, we're ready to go, ready to go. It's like, no, we're not ready to go. And he's like, why, wow, man, I thought we were going to play golf all day. He's like, well, after what I saw from you, the way you played today, <laughs> we need to like a, take a time out and go figure this out. Because oh. if you're going to play golf for the next three days, you can't go play like that again. Oh, and uh, <laughs> so we all got up on the range and we all had to like come to Jesus on how do we could <laughs> fix his game for the next, you know, the next two days so we, he could actually enjoy himself. <laughs> so, that sounds like an intervention. I mean, I, I yeah, we, we that basically is what we had. Oh, wow. That's uh that's uh, well, only only friends can do that to friends, but that uh, oh for sure. That's and awesome. he just died. He, he just died laughing. He's <laughs> like, all right, let's go do it. And he's like, you're right, that was awful. I'm sorry, y'all had to watch that. <laughs> so we we got him sort we got him sorted out, and he played pretty good the next couple of days. But uh, I mean, the times like that, you know, watching one of your buddies that used to practice and play all the time and literally hadn't hit a range ball in years. And actually get him out there when he's trying to work on his game is pretty comical. That's awesome. So. That's so awesome. Um, you mentioned Whisper Rock. I don't want to let that go. You know, there's a lot of uh, kind of central hubs for the guys on tour. I know, you know, I'm down in South Florida, so Jupiter's a big one. And all those Texas guys are kind of staying together. But, you know, Whisper Rock, I, I don't know tons about it other than the random stories about Phil out there. And then I know McCord and uh, Casas are, are bopping around over there. Um, how did you kind of settle into Whisper Rock? What's kind of the culture uh, out there? I mean, it's, you know, definitely 
you know, no one really cares what you do for a living. It's uh, a really unique place. I had, had an opportunity. I made it right before we got my son to be six in February. And uh, we visited a bunch of different places. I mean, the weather in Tennessee can be very unpredictable. Sure. Like, you know, last week it was in the seventies and I think the high yesterday was in like twenties. I mean, so, you know, 50 degrees in a week and which is not uncommon for Tennessee this time of year. And I mean, you can wear shorts and watch it snow the next day. Uh, oh yeah. So we, we, we wanted to visit, we visit everywhere, you know, South Florida, Sea Island, Texas, Palm Springs. And I had a, a couple of buddies of mine, Kevin Streelman, Aaron Badley that remembers it whisper rock. And they took me out to play one day and I called my wife from, you know, leaving the course. And I said, uh, uh, I think we need to come to Scottsdale. And so we, we came out later that year and we've, uh, considered our second home for, you know, six years now. It's been awesome. And I would imagine just having a couple of the tour guys out there, you know, it makes it easier to stay on task when you're kind of home and practicing, getting ready for, for, um, you know, for the upcoming season, are your off weeks pretty, uh, regimented or is it just kind of a, a chance to unplug and relax? Yeah, it just kind of depends. I mean, yeah. uh, obviously with young kids and my, my son will be six in February, my daughter will be three in March. And you oh, know, yeah, you're the least, I've been, I've been, you're the least important person there, aren't you? <laughs> there's no doubt. <laughs> uh, my three-year-old is, is t- showing us that every single day. Um, but you know, Whisper Rock's a great place. I mean, it's got a, enough space to where you can go and, uh, it's a cool, really cool club to be involved in and uh, a bunch of good guys out there. The games are, are not like out of hand, like people think, you know, I very know, respectable, yeah. very respectable, but I think more it works on your mental game. Cause if you do something silly or dumb on TV and you got to walk in that men's grill uh, after a, like a bad swing or something you did, you know, the day before on TV, you better be ready. You better have your helmet on cause they're oh, going to come out swinging. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the beauty of the place. And, uh, and you know it's been a, a real cool spot to be uh, be a part of. Would you say? And I'm I'm just curious, but you know, you mentioned these the everyone thinks that you guys are playing for thousands of dollars in your money games, but it's probably not the money. You just want to be able to hold stuff over their heads and give them shit in the grill room, don't you? Uh, yeah, actually, I have a guy that we play a lot of golf with, and you know, he's uh, a, a very questionable five or six handicap. I hate those and, people. And he has a, 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 a standard bet with all the guys that he plays. And, uh, I mean, he's made more money than I'll ever make in my career. And, you know, no telling what kind of money I've taken off of him and, and our matches together. But if I've ever lost, he asks you to sign the money. And he's got, I mean, no telling what he's got stuff in his locker up there. But Oh, my <laughs> just, gosh. He's he, he, just a, a funny guy. That's kind of his way of going. And it's uh, – I think the first time I lost him, I lost like, I don't know, 20 bucks or something like that. Yeah. He's like, I need, you sign, I need you to sign that. It's like, excuse me? And it's like, yeah, it's kind of what I do every time. I, I was like, well, man, I, I think I took like $200 from you last week. He's like, I, that doesn't care. I beat you today. <laughs> I don't care that's, about that. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I do. Yeah. Oh, so. my God. That guy's got some stones. Actually, that guy would be great for the podcast. So if you want to pass my card along to him, that, that guy's got some stories. Yeah, he's he's a he's a great uh, short game specialist too. So uh, 
you just ask you go out to whisper rock and ask uh, who has the best short game out there and uh, he can show you some things some things you may never want to see again in your life all right well i'm gonna call the pro shop as soon as we're done here and get that get this guy's name but uh um man it's uh yeah i gotta i have not been out to, to arizona for some golf i do need to get that uh taken care of i've been all over the place but haven't made out there yet so gotta check that place out um Let's get into some stuff that's a little bit off topic. I have to ask you about this ridiculous physical transformation that you have made. Um, I have to ask you about this transformation. You uh, have gone and gone crazy with CrossFit. And, you know, when I think of CrossFit, I don't think of golf. Or when I think of CrossFit, I look at ways that I'm going to hurt myself. How did you get into that? And what was the reaction of your people around you when you're like i'm i'm gonna start doing crossfit yeah i mean you know crossfit definitely gets a a bad rap as far as you know like if the only golf that everyone that was capable of playing was the pga tour no one would ever play you know if like if you know you were started to to play golf and you know you see one of us shoot a bat around on tour and we shoot you know 73 or 74 you know some people, I mean, they'll never come close to that in their life. So, I mean, that's the beauty of the game. Anyone in any skill level can play it. And, you know, training and, you know, physical fitness and stuff like that's the same way. I mean, if you only look at that top upper echelon, uh, there's a lot of things that are very unattainable and, you know, truly just not practical for just your normal everyday person, you know, trying to compete. But those people are professionals. Uh, sure. I've, I've been fortunate enough to get a lot, uh, get a chance to train with them a lot, learn from them, learn what to do, what not to do. And, uh, but, but truly it was, uh, I don't know, three or four years ago or something like that. And I'd really started going through some health problems and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, a guy I went to college with, you know, kind of reached out to me and, uh, we had some mutual friends and started trying to train together and he's, you know, huge into CrossFit and, uh, started just kind of teach me about it. Hey, you know, should think about doing this, think about doing that. And, you know, trying to how to adapt, you know, kind of a, a higher intensity mentality into, you know, shorter time periods and, and so on and so forth, which is nice for me. Cause I would say I don't have the attention span for golf. Um, <laughs> I mean, golf takes a lot out of me in terms of, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say like an ADD kind of thing, but there's just, I'm not overly patient. Okay. And so I feel like I take all my time and attention, especially during tournament golf, to make sure I'm attentive to what I'm doing and, and so on and so forth. So the last thing I want to do when I get off the course is, you know, have some like mindless, you know, whatever, you know, super yeah, slow. Some, yeah, something and, monotonous, and, 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 yeah. And, yeah. And there's a time and a place for that. I mean, you know, my mobility is very important to me and the ability to be able to, you know, move well and especially the course of how long our season is. But, you know, when I get a chance to get after it, I, I definitely want to take advantage of it. And there's a way to kind of periodize that in terms of, you know, when your strength training is and so on and so forth. And, uh, but I've, I've been very fortunate to learn from some of the best in the world and, uh, obviously, uh, a friend of mine that I mentioned, uh, helped me a lot, uh, and just had a chance to ask questions of people that literally do it for a living. And so the professionals that are doing CrossFit, if they are scratch, what would be your handicap in CrossFit? Cause I'm, and I'm just uh, curious. I, I, like a 30, I don't know. I, I, okay. ne- I, I never try to, I mean, I'd say my cardio and like capacity for like longer, more like grueling kind of workouts are, are probably better 
but like my my like just straight static lifting is pretty good but any kind of complex lifting uh you know barbell and stuff like that uh is not just it's hard to maintain the strength throughout the year i mean if i can maintain some type of you know 75 80 percent throughout the season and then work my you know six eight week off season that you get and try to you know, push it back up a little bit the problem is our season is just so long so yeah. you can't have a true you can't necessarily have a true strength cycle but with all the health stuff I had, I kind of trained through all that. So once my body started kind of catching up and, you know, kind of fixing itself, I guess, um, you know, I was able to like my VO two max, uh, you know, all your, you know, lactate threshold, all these things that you never would think about of a golfer. It's amazing. Like how it affects like just your overall body performance in the course of, a, you know, I mean, we have 49 events, obviously no one plays that many, but, uh, I mean, you're talking, you're talking about a golf season. That's the same length as a NASCAR, uh, us and NASCAR have the same, very similar length of season. Wow. And just, I, I was a person that I didn't, I took my body for granted. Uh, I thought I was going to be able to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, how I treated it in terms of, you know, what I put in it, you know, how I slept, how I traveled, all these things. Like I just, I never really thought about it. I thought I was going to be 25 and be able to do whatever I wanted. And next thing you know, I was in a bunch of doctor's office and 29 years old. And, uh, my wife had a higher testosterone than I did. Oh, <laughs> it was wow. like, and obviously everyone looks at those numbers and stuff like that as far as like a tell all, but those are all symptoms. I mean, those aren't causes. Yeah. And I had a bunch of uh, problems with my sleep. Uh, I had a, like, I had this major surgery in my sinus cavity to kind of address some sleeping issues. And you kind of, once all that started to rectify, it's amazing to start to see how your body you know, transform once you do the things necessary to, you know, to fuel it properly, recover properly and be able to train the uh, way to kind of optimize throughout the whole year. Well, the reason I ask you about your handicap is is, is not to, to to ask you to kind of rate yourself with your skill with CrossFit, but I just I was kind of uh, kind of illuminating the fact that you consider yourself a thirty handicap in CrossFit and have made such re- just amazing strides with your physical performance. You don't need to do all of the crazy stuff that people see on TV when they automatically attribute you know handstands or. or or, or throwing, you know, throwing tires all over the place. You don't have to do all that stuff. I'm assuming to really see the benefits of CrossFit. No, yeah, I mean, and definitely, like, I mean, there's so many, you know, body weight workouts, and you know, constantly changing. You know, their, I mean, their biggest thing in CrossFit is uh, constantly varied. And I would yeah. say that I definitely follow along that. I'd say my training cycles, you know, week in, week out, in terms of tournaments and so on and so forth, are very similar. I try to get as much of the lifting out of the way earlier in the week. And, you know, the week, the earlier in the week, the, the training style is longer, slower, heavier. And as the week progresses more towards the tournament, it's shorter, faster and lighter with emphasis on rotation and, you know, good flexibility. And, you know, there's always, I gotta be flexible. You gotta be mobile. You know, I just want to move well. And, and I mean, I'm 33 years old. I've been fortunate to be on tour for nine years now. And, uh, I feel better at 23 or at 33 than I did at 23. Well, listening to you right now, I really want to go get a cocktail and a donut. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> hey, there's times for that too, man. Yeah. I, well, I made this <laughs> dumb decision to quit drinking for the last uh, month and yeah, I'm sleeping pretty damn good, but it's, uh, it's not as much fun. I will tell you. So, 
you know, you mentioned being on tour for, for nine years and, you know, you've won multiple times. Uh, I've spoken to people where they thought that was going to be their path and they were going to try and play professionally, but they got out there and, you know, other than maybe not having the scores to get it done, one of the things they realize is just the life and all the travel just wasn't for them. They were just lonely. They wanted people around and they just didn't want to jump from hotel to hotel. Now, I know you have a, uh, you know, great family and two young kids, but how do you kind of set your mind right into accepting the the trials and tribulations of the job and still succeeding? Yeah, I mean, extreme patience, which, like I said earlier, is yeah, not one of my that. strong suits. <laughs> but I think I have a pretty good perspective in terms of, obviously, I, I don't want to keep going back to, you know, some health issues. But truly, I mean, that was a life-changing moment for my family, for my marriage, uh, for my career, and so on and so forth. So I think when you kind of get to the point of not to be melodramatic, but, I mean, the game was taken away from me. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're sitting in some pretty serious doctor's offices, you know, talking about like life expectancy and stuff like that. Not like, oh, when am I going to be able to play again? No, like, hey, man, if you don't take care of this, like you're going to have a serious problem, like and not an overly long amount of time. Wow. And so I feel like my perspective in terms of the ebbs and flows of good play and bad play, I kind of take it, you know, the I'd say the peaks and valleys aren't as high, but they're you know, the peaks are definitely celebrated and the lows are kind of just kind of endured a little bit better because, I mean, you're going to have them. And, and I, I told a guy the other day, I said, man, just accept the fact that this game owes you absolutely nothing. Yep. And it's a beautiful game. It's one of the best games in the world. Uh, and, and truly, I couldn't imagine doing anything. I've wanted to do this since I was a little kid. And but truly, when you go out there, not expecting like, you know, failure or something like that, but just going out there knowing I'm going to put my best foot forward. And, you know, I'm truly going to accept the consequences and, and, and try to do better the next time. And I think so many, especially on the tour level, the, the idea of this like perfection is just so if you follow us around and you see guys play like, Oh man, a tour player, hits every shot perfect. And they never miss a putt and they never do that. You follow us around for four days. You're like, man, <laughs> like I, that, he hit it terrible. And then you start looking at it. It's like, well, man, he shot, you know, three under, you know, the misses just aren't quite as bad. You know, the short game's just a little bit better. And, you know, when they get an opportunity to kind of put the hammer down and tar is a good round and they can definitely take it. The tour professional can take it a little bit lower. And that's truly the difference is. And, you know, I tell everyone every single day, like, what's my mind says? Like, I try to get better, just a little bit better every day. Yeah. Try to make my mind better, try to make my body better, try to make my game better. And, you know, all with that mentality knows that you trust the process that kind of goes into it. I mean, Charles Howell just won again after the first time and what seems like forever. I know. And awesome dude, you know, great storyteller, you know, incredible career and uh, pretty cool to see how he just kind of trusted the process along. And I mean, he had countless chances to win, but he never faltered, uh, never got down on himself and just continually put himself in that situation. And uh, it's nice to see it pay off there at the end of the season and, you know, no telling what he's going to be capable of now. Oh, I know. Yeah, big fans of his. We had uh, we had uh, Alan Bratton on his coach uh, earlier, or, or an Oklahoma State coach uh, earlier on the year. And, yeah, big fans of his. You know, you mentioned just staying on tour and, and you know, just grinding it out. And, and, you know, not everyone hits all these perfect shots all the time. I just keep – every time I see these guys go through web or go through, um, you know, Q school or, or you know, mini tours – I mean, it's just so hard to get onto the PGA Tour. Do you look at some of these guys on the web and just say to yourself, gosh, how how are they not out here? And 
look how hard it is just to get there. I think, I mean, there. I'm reading stuff where guys are shooting 14, 15 under in a four four round uh, Q school and not getting through. Yeah, I saw that. That was uh, that was bizarre. It's like 16 under it took to get through to get to final stage of web.com. Yeah, I mean the the shift is yeah there used to be a significant difference yeah. in terms of you know from like a main tour to a web and web to pga tour and and so on and so forth the games are a lot different uh you know the web tour to, to the pga tour is is a little bit different but the talent level is very if there's a difference it's very small it's just a matter of how guys deal with just the everything else that deals with playing on with on tour you know from just the size of, of an event to, you know, the people that are there and so on and so forth. You know, my rookie year, I missed my first five cuts and it had nothing to do with playing. It had everything to do with just managing my time. Like I was so excited to be out there. Next thing you know, it's like, Oh crap, it's Thursday. Like, I don't know if I've practiced my putting yet. <laughs> just got so taken up in the, the fact that I was there and it was, you know, the time and attention to detail it takes to kind of get into a routine out there is, I mean, all that stuff takes a lot to get used to, and I think that's where you see the guys' a big difference. But obviously now with the way that Web.com Tour and all that stuff is set up as far as how to get on tour is is a lot different than it was when I got on tour. Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily have as much volatility uh, year in, year out, uh, which I don't know if necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, it is what it is. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I feel very fortunate to be out there, but I've got some guys, some friends of mine that d don't even play golf anymore that I watch them hit shots and like, man, how in the world is this guy like not playing beside me every single week? Right. And just amazing. Like I've got friends of mine that are just like, man, it's just not worth it to me. I want to be home with my family. Uh, I want to do this. I want to do that. And, you know, but just like you said, it's funny to see some of the guys that get out there and, you know, I've chased it, I've achieved it. And now like I'm ready to go do something else. And you know, either, you know, the game passes you by or, you know, your game kind of lets you down a little bit or, you know, it's amazing how many guys just take a step away. And um, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see the, the change in golf over the next five or ten years, unless the Champions Tour age changes or something like that. Just right, the right. golf golf is getting so young. Now I'm 33 and I'm old. <laughs> well, uh, you're, no, you're right. I, I, I think they were kind of alluding to that with, with this year's Ryder Cup team or, or, um, or just kind of saying, you know, the next 10, 10 uh, 12 years, the Ryder Cup team for the U.S. is just going to look kind of look a lot different because, you know, guys like, you know, it's starting to already happen, but, you know, Tiger and Phil and Furyk and Stricker and, and kind of those, those guys are going to kind of move on. Um, gosh, I've, I have just tons of different directions I want to go in. So you mentioned your first uh, five tournaments as a as a member of the PGA Tour. You missed the cut because you weren't managing your time or you just kind of felt a little bit, you know, kind of eyes wide open with the, with everything that's going around you. So I, I don't think it's a big earth shattering breaking news story, but you guys don't have to worry a whole lot about equipment and apparel and getting, you know, fresh grips and things like that. Is there anything, I know you're a veteran on the tour now, but is there anything gear related that really gets your attention where you're kind of like a kid in a candy store and you're like, man, this is so cool. We get this stuff for free. The Scotty Cameron place still, <laughs> still I mean, I, I, I would necessarily like, I probably, I give some to my friend, not necessarily Scotty Cameron, but like my equipment that I don't use anymore, so on and so forth. Or, you know, I've, I've moved on to a newer version or so on and so forth. Like, 
There's no telling how much, how many Loki wedges are all over the state of Tennessee to either, <laughs> you know, has an SS on it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, kids, you know, in my neighborhood, or you know, buddies of mine, or or so on and so forth. But you know, Cameron's the only thing that I necessarily like. I treat those differently, and obviously, it's it's more like art. Yeah. And yeah. I had a chance to to meet Scotty a few times, and to meet you know basically the guy that runs the show, uh, over there does all the fittings and everything. His name's Paul. And pretty incredible to kind of see just that whole process of kind of how they, I mean, it's, it's true art. I mean, it's, it's obviously the most important club in our bag and to be able to kind of see and how they just like little subtle changes to how it looks and, and so on and so forth. And you're fortunate enough to be in there and Scotty's in there and that's crazy. I, I was there probably about a year ago and <clears throat> I was working with Paul on something and Scotty came in his office and he's like, oh, we'll be working on it. Grab my player. He's like, oh, hold, I'll be right back and brought my putter back like 30 minutes later and he did exactly what we were talking about and knew nothing of what our conversation was oh my god he's like all right i'll be right back and he brought it back and we we're kind of changing like a little bit of the sight line and just kind of how the, the putter head was shaped and so on and so forth and he brought it back it's like all right man this is why this guy's name is all over the clubs <laughs> yeah it's like, pretty much um well that's good to hear that uh, that a tour guy still gets a little giddy over gear because you know i'm I, I'm I'm the guy that goes to the to a you know plays an amateur tournament and you go to the range and they have like Pro V ones out there and you're like wow you know you're just kind of blown away by that but that's you're probably moved on past that um, we mentioned uh, let's see all right I didn't ask you this what are I'm sure people have already asked you this but I got to ask you what do you think about the match with Tiger and Phil uh, I, I think it's very uncommon to see people of that caliber miss that many short putts that many times in a row. So I, f I feel like they got what they needed. They want them to get to, to 18 and extra holes. I thought the, obviously with the, it would have been cool to see like they did at the old school, like ballot, big horn or whatever, where they lit up the last few holes, but yep. they didn't have to worry about hitting it off the putting green yep. and so on and so forth. Um, but there's good man got people talking about golf and you know, whether people thought it was rigged or, you know, or whatever. I mean, you know, two of the, the golf's greatest players of all time. And, you know, people that if you're in the world of golf, you should walk up there and shake their hand because they've paved the way for what it is now. And uh, I'm definitely one of those people as well that are very appreciative to what Tiger and Phil have done for the game and for the tour. And, you know, if they want to go out there and hit it off the putting ground for 9 million, man, have at it. But <laughs> I just thought, you know, the, the, the way that it was executed probably could have been handled a little bit better, but, uh, you know, pretty exciting to see, you know, day after Thanksgiving, people are talking about golf, oh, yeah. especially with everything else in sports that's going on right now. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get an opportunity to, to carry it on and maybe improve what it was, uh, from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking this same thing. I didn't want to go that direction, but I was thinking, yeah, that, that just, it's too convenient that that thing ended up with that little playoff under the lights and, yeah, I was thinking that same thing. You're, te uh, you're telling me if it's to win, you know, uh, I don't know. We don't play any majors that have match play, but, true. you know, there was some huge Ryder Cup match and Tiger's got a, a guy that's got a four-footer to have him on 18 and Tiger's going to give it to him. Like, oh, yeah, no, no. no chance. I, I Well, I was watching it with some friends and, yeah, you're talking about the one – so you're talking about the the concession he made on 18 in regulation. Yes. 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 And I saw that and I actually just jumped out of my chair and just yelled. I was like, just like, what? And my friends were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that, you, that putt is like, come on, man. That's not a, 
So and then Phil, you know, did it, you know, did the favor back to him on the uh, on the other one. So like, I don't, I don't know, wouldn't like this, but uh, but yeah, trying to make a four footer on bumpy greens in the middle of the night and in darkness. I don't know why they didn't yeah. start that thing earlier. See, that's a question yeah. I have. There's no there's no network obligations. There's no sponsors because you do whatever you want to. It's a private course. It's not like you have to. It's not like a CBS thing where they got you know the local news in sixty minutes on you know ready to come on afterwards. You could have started that thing anytime you wanted to. Yeah, I don't know. The whole just kind of thing was bizarre, but I mean, just like I said, man. Oh no, it's great. Golf, yeah, I know, golf it's and, great. I mean, it's almost December, and uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they change it moving forward. Oh yeah, um, I think you mentioned someplace that the Memorial is one of your favorite tournaments you play in the PGA Tour. Um, how how do you manage your expectations in majors or in tournaments that you maybe really really like, where you can just kind of treat it like a regular a regular event because there's a lot of people that play golf where, you know, whether it's their club championship or, or something with a buddy, they get it all worked up in their minds and they can't, they can't perform. So how do you, how do you deal with those challenges? I mean, there's still, I mean, 18 holes and you, you kind of got to deal with from the first two to the last three. And not that you try to downplay it at all, but <clears throat> I mean, you break it into the fact that, all right, I got to hit this ball in the fairway. All right. I got to get this ball somewhere up around the green and then, you know, kind of take it from there and, you know, when I've played my best golf, I've done that uh, better than other times in my career. We kind of get caught up in the, oh, well, I'm in this place. If I make a birdie or, I'm, you know, I, I, so on and so forth, where the, the kind of situation dictates, you know, your thoughts and feelings towards the certain shot or whatever, instead of, hey, man, this is the same shot that <clears throat> it was two or three days ago. It's just I, I got to get it up there. And the better you can kind of deal with that you know, these are this, but also learn how to, you know, manage the emotion and stuff and understanding that under the gun, you know, it's amazing how far the ball goes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and kind of to how to account for that and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, but yeah, Memorial is my favorite. I had a really cool, uh, interaction with Jack on the Sunday before the event. Oh, please share uh, that. Uh, I, I was, I was, I just played the course for the first time. I'd missed the cut at Colonial and I just played the golf course. Uh, I was eating lunch in the, or eating dinner, watching the end of the, the tournament at Colonial. And a guy walked in and asked who was winning. And I didn't turn around. I just kind of was watching, mentioned who was winning the tournament. <clears throat> and got voice got a little closer and said, uh, any, uh, how's so-and-so doing? And, uh, I said, I, I don't know. And I turned around and he's standing right behind me. He's completely covered in dirt. He's wearing like, you know, like gym clothes. I think he's wearing like a master shirt or some kind of shirt from maybe like, I don't know, the eighties. I mean, it, it was tired and just covered his whole body in dirt. And he was trying, uh, sit with me for about 30 minutes. And I said, uh, I said sir, uh, you know, kind of explain to me what's happened here. Uh, why are you so dirty? <laughs> and he said, well, man, we, you know, we're, we're, we're changing some of the holes and we're, they were doing something to 17 that year. And he said, man, we had a problem with one of the bunkers and I, I just had to get out there and help the guys. And, uh, I had to come back here and clean up. I'm a mess. How awesome <laughs> um, is that? Just pretty cool to see the guy that, I mean, that's his course and, you know, comes in to, you know, grab something to drink or, you know, take a little break or this and that. And he's just completely covered in dirt. Um, He's out there doing something on the golf course. It was pretty awesome. That's uh, that's that's fantastic. Um, you mentioned your wedges and your love of all things Vokey. Um, let's see. So, would you rather play a tournament without golf tees or without wedges? 
Oh, without golf tees for sure. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Not even like it would take a lot to give up the wedges. They make a big difference, man. Okay. You can, you can re let's see, would you rather rewrite the ending of 10 cups so that Roy McAvoy wins the U S open or completely eliminate the existence of Caddyshack too? I don't know. I, I like when Roy gets up there and keeps sending it on the green. Okay. Like, those, but I mean, Caddyshack too is abomination. <laughs> so that's not really an answer, Scott. I mean, you got <laughs> no. I, I would rather get rid of Caddyshack too. Oh, okay, okay. There you go. There you go. Uh, let's see. Um, this is going to be a tough one here. Would you rather win the PGA Championship or play on two losing Ryder Cup teams? Win a major. Okay. See, that is actually the right answer because if you win the major, it's probably going to get you onto the Ryder Cup team that year or the following year. Would you rather play Blades for the rest of your life or Persimmon Woods for the rest of your life? Blades. If uh, What's the one thing that you, um, if you forget to bring with you when you're traveling, if you forget to bring it, what is what is that one thing that you absolutely have to replace as soon as you get to your destination? I'm not great with a razor, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not particularly great with, um, yeah, I'd say definitely a razor I'm the worst with, and uh, a toothbrush like i leave them at hotels a lot <laughs> okay so i'd say between those two are the ones i'm not awesome with you do a lot of traveling for your job you're staying in hotels you're catching flights all over the country all over the world what are some of your pet peeves when you're on the road and traveling no those people that like to stand in the the airplane line like 30 minutes before you're supposed to get on like what what are you doing people <laughs> especially especially the people that are in like you know section nine of you know 10 to try to get on an airplane like and they're just standing in line in the way like I don't, i've never understood that yeah yeah i don't i don't like those people trying to cut the line on their not not in their zone or stuff like that yeah whatever it is i mean it's like they're in zone 38 and you know they haven't even started doing pre-boards yet and someone's standing in line getting all bent out of shape but how long is it taking to board the plane <laughs> that's awesome yeah I, I got i got no patience for that like i said I, I struggle with patience in general but that's definitely a pet peeve that's awesome let's see if you could take uh if you could take a year off from the tour and you wanted to go teach somewhere what would you teach uh i don't know i think i, w I work a lot with uh, i do a bunch of college golf fellowship and stuff like that and actually uh <laughs> i got one of my college guys that's just getting ready to start doing some mini tour web.com he's staying with me in arizona right now and just an opportunity man i went you know you know kind of help some guys out i mean it's a lonely road and uh not that i have it all figured out but to be able to come alongside them and you know play and practice with them work out with them and, and try to help out so i don't know work out with work with some of the guys in college golf fellowship or work with some college teams or something like that i don't necessarily the recruiting aspect of that sounds terrible but um but be able to get some guys and you know because that's kind of a vulnerable part of their life and be sure. able to have some kind of positive influence and you know kind of give them a fresh perspective as far as what like this is what professional golf looks like and this is what it takes and and so on and so forth and and you know kind of give them a dose of reality not necessarily like they're not as good as they think they are but just give them a fresh perspective of like we're not perfect here <laughs> sure sure and, and the faster that they can understand that the better off they'll be yeah well you um that that sounds great and and actually uh, I know you're heavily involved with the Tennessee uh, Golf Association doing their Junior Cup so I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes of this uh, of this episode. Yeah, we actually we actually just finished our first year of the Kids Play Free program in Knoxville, 
So the Junior Cup uh, is kind of like upper echelon uh, junior players, 28 kids, uh, uh, 14 on each team, 10 boys and four girls. And we basically divide Tennessee by I-65, and we just had our seventh year. We do it at the Grove in Nashville and kind of like a junior rider cup at the very end of their, their golf season. And then we started kids play free in Knoxville, which we've had two, uh, two, we have two par three courses, Beverly park and Concord, uh, which provided free golf for juniors, uh, in the city of Knoxville, 365 days a year. And wow, that's awesome. The, the most kids we've had sign up in a year is roughly, I think it, it was 78. And this year we had almost 2,400 play. That's fantastic. So, like you're talking about first time on the golf course. So just trying to figure out ways to and in, incite in people to get on the golf course and, and so on and so forth. We've got some great partners with the Tissie Golf Association and the Golf House in Nashville. And I look forward to continuing trying to helping that out. Well, we will uh, we'll definitely plug that and get people aware of it and reach out to Tennessee Golf Association and let them know that uh, you were here at the back of the range. Well, Scott, I've uh, I've I've taken up enough of your time. I know you're uh, you're kind of getting into the weekend here, and you're going to be able to kind of relax for the off season, get ready for uh, for the next calendar year of golf. But uh, I really do appreciate the time. Hopefully, we can catch up again next year, and uh, and all the best to you during the holidays. Awesome, man! I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And there you have it, another great episode here at the back of the range. Thank you so much to Scott Stallings for joining us this week. Remember, follow us on Instagram, the Back of the Range podcast. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Remember, the website, thebackoftherange.com. Two more episodes this year. We'll see you next week here at the Back of the Range.